You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis 50, verse number 17, the Bible says, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now, we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived in hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. And the children also of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being an hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And let's pray. Our Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be in church this morning. I thank you for the privilege we've had to have the Webster family here. And Lord, what a blessing those songs have been. And Lord, how you've encouraged us this morning just to be together with God's people. I thank you for the choir. I thank you for each and every uh, usher, each and every greeter. I thank you for every nursery worker, every Sunday school teacher and junior church worker. I thank you for our instrumentalists. I thank you for those working in our sound booth and those working with our video and our radio ministry. And Lord, I thank you for our members who are here today. I thank you for those who are listening from home those who are listening uh, on the radio, those that are watching online. And Lord, I pray now as we come to this part of the service, I pray that we would not miss the truth that you have for us from your word. Help me to deliver it in such a way, Lord, that, uh, Lord, I would not be a distraction and that it would not be confusing. Uh, Lord, that it would not be misinterpreted, but I pray that it would be spoken clearly. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would do more than a work uh, on our heads and in our minds, but I pray you do a work in our hearts and change our lives to conform to what thus saith the Lord. We pray now that you'd speak to us, and if there's anyone here, if there's anyone listening this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would get settled once and for all the matter of where they will spend forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We have been in this series for some time on the life of Joseph. Last week, we started what I think will be the last uh, sermon. It's on the final lessons, or the lessons from Joseph's last days. You know, I'm glad that God was not done with Joseph. 
I'm glad that the final chapter in Joseph's life had not been written. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know some of the struggles or some of the battles that you're facing in life. But I want to tell you this. If you're here and you're, you've got a pulse and you're still breathing, God is not done with you. And God has not finished your story. And God has not uh, written the last chapter yet. And as long as we have time to serve God, I hope that we'll stay faithful and stay true to Him. I'm glad that Joseph stayed faithful because we see in this story, we see how that God can take a life that was a mess, a life that seemed hopeless, a life that seemed ruined. God turned it around like only God could do. And we see in this story not only how God can work miracles and how God can bring families back together, but we see, I would like to pick up here just right away, I want to pick up with this lesson. We started last week and we'll finish it this, this morning. But I want to talk to us about a lesson on forgiveness. The Bible says in verse number 17, we find the word forgive mentioned twice. This is the first mention of forgiveness in the Bible as you begin to read through the book of Genesis. And I don't think you could find a better story to see this illustration and to see this lesson of forgiveness. See, we talk about forgiving so much, but usually it's when we do something wrong and we expect somebody else to forgive us. Usually it's when we make a mistake and we come to the Lord and we ask the Lord for Him to forgive us, and I'm glad He does. I'm glad He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us when we confess our sin. But so many times we don't want to be the one to extend forgiveness to somebody else. You know why? Because that's hard. It's a lot easier to talk about forgiveness. It's a lot easier to preach it to somebody else. And it's a lot easier from the, the bird's eye view to look and say, yeah, I think you ought to forgive that person. I think you ought. But what if we, this morning, what if we take a good look in the mirror and what if we say, hey, it's time that we start to forgive others. Say, well, you know, you don't understand what so-and-so did. You're right, I don't. You don't understand how bad it hurt me. You're right, I don't. But I'm not standing here telling you to forgive because it was my idea. I'm here this morning telling you that we must forgive because it was God's idea and it is God's command for us to forgive. Number one, I want you to see about forgiveness. Why should we forgive? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here's why. Even as God for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. And we were forgiven a debt that we could never repay. We were forgiven for sinning against a holy God and the punishment for that sin is eternity in a lake of fire. We could never work our way out of that. We could never earn salvation. We could never earn God's forgiveness. But He gave us, freely, He gave us forgiveness and He gave us eternity in heaven because He was willing to say, I forgive you. Jesus on the cross, He's been beaten. He's been spit upon. 
He's been punched in the face. He's had his beard plucked out of his face. He has been beaten with a whip. He is bloody. He is beaten. He's not even recognizable as a man. And on that cross, he could have called down fire from heaven to destroy every last one of those soldiers. He could have called 10,000 angels to come and to set him free. But instead, he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I want you to hold your place in Genesis 50, and I'd like for you to look quickly at Matthew chapter 18. Why do we forgive? We forgive because God forgave us. We forgive because God has commanded us to forgive one another. But here's a question. How often should we forgive? You say, well, I'll tell you what, pastor, I have forgiven so-and-so, my coworker, my family member, my in-laws, who boy, let me tell you, that's tough to do. I have forgiven my neighbor. Oh, and you don't even know how bad they treat me. I have forgiven, you fill in the blank. I've forgiven them so many times. I think I've about reached my limit. Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, he said, how often, verse 21, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter threw out a number. He thought, this is a good number, seven. You know, the number of completion, uh, the number of perfection. He thought, I bet that's the magic number. If I can forgive somebody seven times, that's it. I don't have to forgive them anymore. And Jesus responded by saying, oh no, Peter, it's not seven times. It's 70 times seven. And he wasn't saying 490, but he was saying, oh no, it's a whole lot more than you think. And there's not a limit. There's not a maximum on forgiveness. You and I must be willing to forgive. And then he gives a parable. And I almost have a hard time now reading this parable without thinking about Brother Nathan and Brother Caleb um, acting out this parable for our uh, virtual junior church this summer. And uh, again, it, there wasn't a lot of doctrine in that, but there was a lot of entertainment for sure. But here's the parable. There was a man that owed a great debt to his master. He owed 10,000 Talents. Now, depending on if that were talents of gold or silver, the uh, value would change. But in today's currency, that would be equivalent to about, and, and again, maybe it's a little more, maybe a little less, be the equivalent of about seven billion, with a B, seven billion dollars. Now, can I tell you something about $7 billion? You ain't going to repay that in your lifetime. I don't care how many friends you've got. I don't care how many people feel sorry for you. I don't care how big your GoFundMe page is. You're not going to repay $7 billion. It's hopeless. So the man went before the master and he said, I can't. There is no way I can repay you. And the master forgave him of the debt of $7 billion, 10,000 talents. The man no sooner leaves from being forgiven of that debt and he sees somebody and he remembers, hey, that guy owes me some money. That man owed 100 pence. 
One pence or one penny was about a day's wage. So in today's currency, you could say maybe ten or $11,000 maybe would be about the equivalent of 100 days wages. And he saw somebody that owed him $11,000. He's been forgiven $7 billion. And he looks at this man and he says, hey, buster, where's my money? And the man says, I'm sorry, I can't. Will you give me some time? And he looks at this guy that owes him and says, no way, no mercy. And he has that man thrown into prison. Now you think about how crazy that is. He's been forgiven $7 billion debt and he can't forgive somebody that owed him 11000 So, well, Pastor, what's the significance of how great one was and how little the other? Well, here's the difference. What God was showing us is that if he could forgive us the $7 billion, the debt that we could never repay, how much should we be willing to forgive someone when they say something, when they do something to hurt us? And again, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying God commands it. And I'm saying that forgiveness is necessary for you and I to have peace, for you and I to be blessed by God, for you and I to have our prayers answered, you and I must be willing to forgive. We've seen the why, we've seen how often, but now let's talk for a moment, what is forgiveness? What are we talking about here? Forgiveness means to pardon. It means to overlook an offense and treat the offender as not guilty. Now I am not, I mentioned this last week, I am not for one moment, I know we've got many in our church who are in uh, law enforcement and in the legal system, and I am not for one minute saying that if somebody commits a crime, you just forgive them and don't do anything. I'm not saying that. If someone uh, commits a crime, then they need to be punished. You, you do the crime, you do the time, right? But I'm not talking about the legal system right now. I'm not talking about a police officer. I'm not talking about a judge. I'm talking about our personal lives where we live every day. I'm talking about being willing to forgive someone who has wronged you. Now, I don't know who it is, but there's probably someone who's come to mind. Or there's probably a situation that's already come to mind that the Holy Spirit is telling you that's the person. That's the situation you haven't forgiven. You have been bitter, you've held a grudge, you've been upset, you won't speak to that person, you won't sit in the same section of that person, you look for every opportunity to criticize that person, you look for every opportunity to get them back, but you have not forgiven. Can I tell you who is being hurt in the process? It's not them, it's you. You're killing yourself. You are hurting yourself. You're, you have trouble sleeping at night. You have trouble going through and enjoying anything in life because there is somebody who did you wrong and you will not say, I forgive you. Forgiveness is to pardon. It's to overlook an offense and to treat the offender as not guilty. Forgiveness does not excuse the behavior of another but forgiveness prevents that behavior from destroying your life. 
Again, I'm not saying that you excuse something. I'm not saying that you act like something did not happen. It did, but you can't let that destroy you. You can't let that rob you every single day of your peace and of your sanity to forgive. Someone very wisely said to forgive is to set a prisoner free. And then you discover that that prisoner is you. Some of you need to set yourself free this morning by forgiving. You say, well, pastor, I would forgive. But they haven't come and they haven't apologized yet. We're talking about two different things now. Somebody may not come and they may not apologize, but you're going to have to make the decision in your heart and you're going to have to make the decision in your life that I have forgiven them. I'm not holding that against them. I'm not going to let that ruin my life. I'm not going to let that eat my lunch. I'm not going to let that destroy my life because I won't let go. Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It actually sets you free. So I wonder this morning, who is it? that you need to forgive. If that person does not know that they have done something to hurt you, I wouldn't go to that person. And I wouldn't say, now you don't realize it, but 12 years ago at such and such a place, at such and such a time, you said something rude to me and I, I wouldn't go to them if they don't even know about it. That's something you need to go to God about. And you need to say, God, help me to forgive that person. So, so who is it? Who is, who is the Lord bringing to your mind that you're saying, you know, I know we should forgive and I know so-and-so needs to forgive and I want people to forgive me, but I have not been willing to forgive that person. I want you to think about the consequences back in Genesis 50. I think Joseph is probably one of the best illustrations of forgiveness because Joseph's life was drastically transformed because of something that somebody did to him. His brothers sold him as a slave and 13 years of his life were lost. 13 years of his life, his dad didn't even know if he was alive or dead. 13 years of his life, he didn't even know what was going on at home. 13 years of his life, he didn't know if he would ever escape Egypt. 13 years and now, he can do something about it. Now he can get revenge. Now he can get them back. But Joseph says, I'm not going to get you back. I'm not going to settle the score. I'm going to let God do that. And I am going to forgive. Who do you need to forgive? Tragedies often bring out the worst in people. But tragedy brought out the very best in Joseph. He said to his brothers, I forgive you. Verse number 19, he says, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me. You tried to hurt me. You tried to kill me, but God meant it for what? God meant it for good. And friend, I don't care how bad you've been hurt. I don't care how bad you've been wrong. God has the ability to take that bad situation and that trial and that tragedy and that heartbreak and God can work it for 
good. God can turn a curse into a blessing. He did it in Joseph's life and he can do it in yours. First of all, I see the lesson of forgiveness. But secondly, I see the lesson of how God works all things together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Monique sang that song that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You see, Joseph had no idea, but God needed him in Egypt. But Joseph couldn't just go on a vacation, and Joseph couldn't just show up one day in Egypt. God knew that Joseph needed to be in a certain prison in Egypt. Because in that certain prison, at that certain time, he was going to meet a chief butler of Pharaoh. And that butler was going to be restored. And that butler was going to be there when Pharaoh had a dream that he could not interpret. And the butler was going to say, Pharaoh, I know a guy who can interpret the dream. And Joseph would come in and Joseph would speak to Pharaoh and he would interpret the dream. And Pharaoh would put him in second in command in the, in the nation and he would put him over all the food. And Joseph would save the entire world from a famine. But Joseph didn't see that. All Joseph saw was betrayal. All Joseph saw was brothers that hated him. All he saw was that he was uh, sold as a slave and all he saw that he was falsely accused and he was thrown into prison and all Joseph ever saw was all of the bad things that were happening, but God had a different perspective. And God saw that he was leading and guiding Joseph every step of the way to get him in the place where Joseph would not only be blessed himself, but he would be able to save his family and save the world from a famine. You see, God can take a bad situation and God can work it out for good. We don't always see it. We don't always understand it. It doesn't always make sense. But as for God, His way is perfect every time. Joseph's life was not over. I want you to notice in Verse number 22, it says, And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph was 30 when he was brought before Pharaoh and when he interpreted the dream. That means that after that, God gave Joseph 80 more years of life. He gave him 80 years, and in those years, Joseph saw his kids. He saw his grandkids. He saw his great-grandchildren. And I'm sure there were times where Joseph thought his life was over. He thought there was no hope. But can I tell you, God was not finished with Joseph. And I want to tell you this morning, God is not done with you. Do not throw in the towel. Do not give up. But can I tell you, God is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. For Joseph, God meant it for good. For Joseph, the best was yet to come. God's plan was not over. God's plan was not done. God had a plan for Joseph and God has a plan for you. You say, well, how did that happen? How did Joseph know and find the plan of God? He 
found it every day by being faithful to God. He found it every day by trusting God and obeying God and staying pure and staying holy. And Joseph had integrity. He cared about others and he had a relationship with God that was right. For the child of God, the best is yet to come. And not only is the best yet to come, I believe down here, I believe that the greatest life you could ever live is a life lived in the center of God's will. My wife and I have talked about it so much. We've just talked about how that God has been better to us than we ever could have imagined. God's been better to us than we've ever deserved. But can I tell you, the best for the child of God is yet to come. It's amazing because Satan works the opposite. Satan offers you the very best up front, and then it goes downhill very quickly. He offers you the best, and boy, it looks so good, and you find out. My dad used to always say, mom, dad used to always say that all of the devil's apples, they look good, but they got worms in them. But can I tell you, when you get uh, serious about serving God and living for God, you find there is no peace, no joy, no thrill like walking in his will. God's best is for his children. The best is yet to come. And I'm not just talking about down here, but the best is yet to come in heaven. What a day that will be. Here's the last lesson I'll show you and we'll be done. It says in verse number 24, Joseph gives his last words to his family. And his last words, he reminds his family of a promise. He says, God promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and I'm reminding you of the promise of God. And that promise is this, God will surely, truly, definitely, certainly, God will surely visit you and he will carry you out of this place. Now, this is Old Testament. I understand. This is the book of Genesis. I understand. But you can't get much clearer than a promise that God gives to his children in the New Testament where Jesus said, if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. I got some good news for us this morning. And you may not have seen it on Fox News or you may not have seen it on CNN and you may not have read about it on the internet or you may not have seen it in the newspaper, but I got some good news for you here at Victory Baptist Church this morning and that is that Jesus is coming back and he's taking us out of here. And this world is not our home and this world may be falling apart and this world uh, may be a mess, but this is not where we're staying. Jesus promised that he was coming back and he was taking us out. And Joseph says, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. Isn't that amazing? Because when Jesus comes back and he takes us home, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's not even going to leave our bones down here because the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven where the shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You say, well, they're not in the grave. That's just their bones. I know, but God's not even going to leave their bones in the ground. 
The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a wonderful promise to God's children. But it ought to be a very sobering thought if you're not in the family of God. Because when Jesus comes, he's coming to take his children. So the question is, have you been born again? Are you a child of God? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Because when he comes, it's going to be too late. You can't wait till that trumpet sounds and then say, oh, I'm so sorry, I it'll be too late. You got to get it settled now. You say, well, when's he coming? Because I want to make sure I get it settled before he comes. When's he coming? He could come at any moment. It's imminent. It means it could happen at any time. You say, well, when do I get ready? Today, right now, God gave you this opportunity. He's coming. We must be ready. Lord, I pray that you take these truths and reminders and lessons, and I pray we'd apply them to our lives. Lord, help us to forgive. Lord, if there's anyone here who has something in their heart, they've got a grudge, or they've been bitter, or they've been angry, or they've, uh, Lord, just not been able to forgive, I pray that they would get that settled today. Maybe it will involve a, a phone call. Maybe it will involve a visit this afternoon. Maybe it'll involve a meeting this week to talk to somebody and say, uh, you have, you've wronged me, you've asked me to forgive you, I've refused to do so, but today I'm offering that forgiveness and I'm extending that forgiveness. Not because they deserve it, but because God forgave you and God forgave me. Maybe God's speaking to you about the area of forgiveness. Maybe God's speaking to you about trusting His plan and uh, realizing that He works all things together for good. Maybe God spoke to you this morning about the fact that Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? Are you saved? Do you know for sure that you're saved? Are you surrendered? Are you yielded to God? Are you serving God? Uh, are you sanctified? Or are you set apart and holy and pure? And uh, would you say, I, I'm ready to meet God today and I know that I'm right with Him? I can't answer that question for you. That's something that you must answer. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.